Hi, and welcome to this edition of Fresh Hope for Mental Health. Our mission here at Fresh Hope for Mental Health is to empower you to live well in spite of your mental health challenge by sharing insights through interviews, practical tools for living well, encouragement, and courage for overcoming all from a Christian perspective. And now, here's your host, Pastor Brad Hayes. Hello, my friend, and welcome to Fresh Hope for Mental Health. I'm Brad Hafes, your host. Our purpose here on Fresh Hope for Mental Health is to empower you to live a faith-filled, rich, and full life in spite of having a mental health diagnosis. Well, folks, today we've got a treat for you. We have Scott Box with us. He is the author of a book called Disgrace, or the what is it called scott <laughs> yeah it's heroic disgrace there heroic you go disgrace. heroic disgrace i have it <laughs> right in front of me story. and i didn't read it so <laughs> no um, problem <laughs> yeah well good to have you um i always am happy Thanks. to talk to a fellow bipolar person or uh, person with bipolar i should say yeah. it that way um no. but really happy to no have offense. you yeah. Yeah. Thank well, you. <laughs> Scott, tell me about yourself. You're married, children. What and what do you do? Yeah, I am the. Uh, I'm married to an amazing woman named Carrie Ann. Uh -huh. Got a daughter Ainsley and a son Titus. Ainsley's 17 and Titus is 14. Ah. I've been, been coaching Titus's baseball. Uh, and that has been really fun. I've got tons of baseball experience over the years. And cool. Uh, so uh, that, but in the last, golly, 20 years, I, I've kind of just not done tons of baseball. And so all uh -huh. of it came, you know, all of it came early on. And so sure. it's been really fun to, to crack that egg. Yeah. Uh, and, and, kind of remember how much I loved the game and yeah. how much I know about the game. <laughs> and <laughs> so anyhow, yeah. So we, we've got a great life. We live in central Oregon and this place is heaven on earth. I always tell folks, you know, you're welcome to visit, but don't stay that type of thing. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, After three days, <laughs> company stinks like fish. <laughs> yeah, totally. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, tell me, what do you do? What, what is it? Right that you right. do for a living if you will well i think this is this is a great spot for me to to say that i actually haven't asked been asked that question in my journey with talking about this book i think everybody just assumes i'm an author uh and uh, which is which is fine because i because i am and but i went on permanent disability about uh, eight years ago Oh, and okay. Uh, and it's a very interesting situation from the standpoint that I didn't sign up for it. My wife did. <laughs> and, oh. uh, she, she, it was uh, when I got the phone call, uh, it was one of those, it was, it was kind of an identity. I, I, it didn't crush my identity or anything, but it was one of those bittersweet things. Like, what do I do with this? Do I, is this something that I should be proud of or, or, or uh, how do I harness this for the kingdom? Yeah, and yeah. so I stay at home. I, I've learned that my job is to be healthy. Yes. And I'm yeah. going to be one of those people that doesn't ride a government check into Fritos and ding dongs. You know, right. uh, I'm, I'm going to be a healthy 
uh, I'm going to be, I'm going to live a healthy lifestyle. Yes. We, we say living well in spite of a mental health diagnosis and yeah. Yeah. Um, tell me, uh, she, so she started the process and you didn't even know what was going on. Correct. Um, yeah, I mean, there was there was a a moment where she was like, "Hey," I mean, uh, on reflection, it was like it, she had said something, but I was in a mental state where I wasn't even thinking about okay, it. So sure, sure, yeah. And you have bipolar type two, correct? Correct. So yep. you have more. Um, you know, if I went off my medicine and I've been stable for nineteen or twenty years 19. now, yeah, good and for you. and no issues. Um, I did have. The first seven years were difficult. Um, I mm-hmm. admit that, and I had a hospitalization after I got my medicine mixed up, but not on purpose, but yes. I did. And nice. um, anyway, um, the I can't even remember where I was really headed with that, but um, I'll listen back to this, and at some point I'll know what I was. <laughs> but, well, no, I mean, I'm curious, Brad, just really quick, though, about your medication. Uh, what do you take? Because I take Depakote, which is a uh, a yeah, that's uh, anti seizure med for uh-huh. for children. Right, I take an anti seizure, but it's not Depakote. I started with Depakote, and they got okay. me stable with blood test, and then I knew okay. what stable felt like. I didn't like it, but I hung in there, and yes. it took me years to start feeling okay. You know, but um, yeah, so um, but oh, I know. You know, part of our identity as men is wrapped up in what we do, you know? <laughs> and so I would suspect part of what was going on for you at the disability point when that hit, you probably were struggling with your identity. Is that correct? Oh, easy. Yes. So heroes, as you were raised to um, think of heroes— heroes don't go on disability is that correct from from your from your unhealthy perspective i absolutely see where you're going and you are absolutely right yeah it's it's and and i want our listeners to understand that it's okay we all struggle with identity um we live in a world in a culture especially here in the united states and most likely in most cultures it's all about being a human being or a human doing, excuse me, instead of being a human being. Ah, okay. And uh, your unhealthy view, uh, I'm talking about Scott's book, Heroic Disgrace and what he talks about in there. And he talks about the fact that he was raised as a hero, you know, thinking about being a hero and what heroes do. And, you know, I have to say, I've never thought about being a hero. It was not in my vocabulary. I I don't know where I was, but I didn't ever think that way. Um, But you did. And you, you, you have kind of a turning point where you understood you and you came to a point of realization of saying, I once thought of a hero this way, but really I need to think of it this way, and it's different. And to me, that's where you clicked from realizing I don't have to be a human doing, I can be a human being who loves Jesus. Interesting. Would that be an accurate assessment of your your story? Because I've, I've, Mm -hmm. you know, as I read it, it, it really dawned on me that 
you really had a point at which it clicked. I did. I, I did. And, um, you know, the, the, the brutal thing about often it's kind of like you're hunting around in a dark room for a, a light switch. Yep. Uh, and, you know, you don't really know when you're going to find that light switch. <laughs> yep. And, and so, uh, but, but the difficulty with those, those times, Brad, is that you are in my case, at least I, I, I didn't know. I didn't know what I was looking for. I didn't, I really didn't. I didn't know what, I mean, I, yeah. I suppose what, what heroism was I, ca- I talk about it being my heroic frankenstein i just kind of cobbled yeah. things together but but things things had to go bad before i figured that out you know well <laughs> my perspective i, have, I had to lose yes i, had to lose. I firmly believe <laughs> for most of us um pain is involved in growing i Correct. i i just don't think most of us grow without pain um yeah. and we don't yeah. develop like we could, you know, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, you ha- you um, you noted in your book that something was missing in your understanding about heroism, and and that uh, Frankenstein character that you are saying, you know, I many times say it this way: I felt like I had a monster in me that was pushing with energy yes. and yes. surging surges of this monster trying to push out. And I had to wow. keep him in, and I was worried that I was the monster. Now, were you ever worried that you were the Frankenstein? Uh, wow, I need to think about that. That's a uh, no. I think I was too pride. I think I was too arrogant. Oh, <laughs> I think I think you're a better man than me. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, I mean, I I think I was too arrogant. I think I believed I. Well, there's your answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, grandiosity, uh, grandiosity is part yeah. of bipolar disorder. It, no, so. it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, though, the thing that changed me, though, ultimately, uh, was this, the, 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 the irony of Jesus. It was the, it was the, the great heroism yes. of Jesus is what flipped my understanding of what heroism was. It's the, it's the disgraceful method. Uh, that he chose for saving me, that saving humanity, uh, that was the way to heroism. That that was his victory. That was his crown. The cross mm-hmm. was his victory. And once once that kind of settled in, it was like, oh, that's what real heroism looks like. Mm-hmm. That's that's not my stupid version of you got to win, 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 win. No, Jesus lost. Jesus was like the biggest loser. He gave it up. And, and yeah. exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and uh, heroism as a Christian, we can't set out even to be a hero. You're already defeating what a hero is. Then, if you're, if it's all about laying down your life, right? It's all about doing it like Jesus did it, and that is, he didn't count yeah. equality with the Father. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, that's right. That's right. Jesus, in fact, what that's I think what what was so powerful for me too, Brad, was this idea that, that the desperation that Jesus had for the father is what helped me understand the desperation I needed to have for Jesus. Yes. That's, that's that, that's that amazing 
<laughs> that's that amazing moment you're talking about to some, I mean, there were some very specific things that happened, but within me, uh, clearly that was that moment of, Oh wait, this is that Jesus guy. I'm a worship leader. I'm leading music every single week. I'm on platform, but I don't really, I don't, I'm not desperate for Jesus for goodness sakes. I'm not desperate. Uh, and that's when it started to click. Yeah. Yeah. You you uh, write in your book, during those years, my prideful weakness expressed itself in two primary versions, parent or people-pleasing and heroic yes. fraud. Tell yeah. me, what is heroic fraud? Mm. Well, that's what the, the twisted view of heroism uh, created in me this this idea that a heroic frankenstein i mean i just cobbled together frankenstein's monster is effectively what i did i i i this idea of what heroism is over here this captain america idea you know uh, take a superhero and and then you know and then throw in my grandpa who was you know a police officer my great grandpa who was police officer they were all in the military my dad who's just stinking stud and and, yeah. and yeah. all of a sudden i start losing like I, I was mentioning and like i said i mean heroes don't lose heroes win in fact if you become a loser you're probably the villain and so everything mm. that i did that's the way i thought at least and so mm -hmm. the, the there was this, I was operating in this fraudulent world. I, I just thought I was a fraud. Well, it and, almost sounds like you had like a fantasy world. Yes. Of what a yes. Hero. Absolutely. Yeah. Well said. Yes. Yeah. And let me ask you, I don't know if anybody would have asked you this question yet, but um, yeah. do you think maybe possibly you idolized your dad to the point where your eyes were on him and not on your brokenness and your need for Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And that didn't hit me until, and here's the way that it manifests eventually is that I, I didn't hate my dad, but I despised the fact that I couldn't be like Tom well, Box. Sure. I'm, yeah. I'm Scott Box. Tom Box was this freaking stately stud yeah. and I, and who had everything seemingly worked out dad didn't show a lot of emotion uh dad was he was a statesman and mm -hmm. he was a statesman at home and here i yeah. am a creative guy dad didn't get me he was an accountant sure. you know he had an yeah. accounting mind a numbers yeah. mind yeah. Yep. 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 very <laughs> he, different he very different yes yeah. and uh plus those of us who have bipolar disorder tend to be very creative people. And in fact, I always tell people when they're devastated by the diagnosis, hey, get the, the no, 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 no. You're joining a crew of us that have changed the world. You Come know, um, the <laughs> folks that have had bipolar right. disorder. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, and it, right. would, it would be very difficult. My father, on the other hand, had bipolar disorder Dude, and okay. um, he had bipolar type two and I didn't know it okay. was hereditary. I, I didn't know that I yeah. could get it. And uh, uh. Uh, I only have one other sibling and we both have it. And wow. um, okay. so, yeah, it's very strong in our, in my dad's mm -hmm. side of the family. <laughs> there are those who recognize it and those who do not. Yeah. But um, anyway, so what do you mean by that? What do you mean by recognize? As well, in, like, there are those who know or... they have the struggle and there are uh, others in denial and 
self-medicating or (laughs) just misbehaving all the time, you know. Oh, I know what I was going to say earlier when I couldn't remember. It was in regards to the fact that when you have bipolar type 2, many times it gets misdiagnosed as being just depression. And for uh, instance, uh, I have bipolar. Let's talk about this. Yeah, yes. I have bipolar type one. I always tell people I am a party off of medicine until somebody <laughs> goes to jail or gets a ticket. You know, yeah, but I'm right. a par- I'm a party. You know, right? Um, I never had had a downtime until I crashed and burned. Uh, wow. But yes, let's. You were yeah. fortunate. Did they catch it right away that you had bipolar no, type 2? No, no, in you fact, get... no, I'm so glad you brought that up because, uh, I mean, this is, this was the, the aspect uh, that when I look back and I think about my, my just medical journey and trying to be your own advocate, yes. you know, doctors throw medication In my experience, my doctors threw medication at me and, sure. uh, and so it was very easy for him to diagnose. Absolutely. He diagnosed me with depression and then through, uh, I forget what it was. I, I probably was on three different antidepressants and, uh, oh my word, I, that those sent me into oh. probably the craziest hypomanic episodes. Yep. I, I wouldn't have had those hypomanic episodes had I not. I mean, I don't sure. know. I don't sure. know how that would have worked, but I, I do know <laughs> that I was misdiagnosed. And it took about two years after that uh, yep. before I was properly diagnosed. Yes. And then um, properly medicated. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there are indicators that the doctor probably didn't pick up on. And that is if you simply had depression, you wouldn't have gone into hypomania. Correct. Most likely. And um, I had a doctor friend who, at my deepest, darkest moments after um, my fall and break, if you will, um, (laughs) she lovingly gave me a bag of Prozac in a bag, a Ziploc bag, (laughs) and said, take two of these a day, you know, to help me. I was suicidal. I was just dying. And I hadn't got to the hospital yet. Well, by the time I got to the hospital, I was ready to run the place. I figured they were blessed to have me coming to their hospital. One hundred percent. Oh, so, you! I love talking to you, Brad. This is like talking to myself, man. This is amazing. Well, I walked into that hospital like you know, the Lord God Himself had arrived, and uh, yeah. Oh, well, man. Anyway, now I, I, I have very, very messy parts of my story yeah. that I yeah, hate right. to tell. But I have found that mm. by telling it, it helps other people. It actually, the, yeah, the, right. the deepest parts of those pains become liquid gold for the kingdom. They, yeah. they plant seeds right. of hope in people. Tell me, how dark did it get? What were some of the signs yeah. and symptoms that were going on in either your thinking or your behaviors that yeah. was assigned to your wife was assigned to others that Scott is not all right. Sure, you bet. I the, the thing easy. This one's easy for me uh, from the standpoint. There's two. There's there's one that's connected with uh, just self medicating with pornography and the shame and the self loathing that comes with that. Uh, and then 
the other just has to do with panic attacks. And yeah, you had you publicly, had fair amount public of... panic attacks. Yeah, yep. yeah, those two those two things in particular, and we can dive as deep as you like on well, either of those. But I think many, many, many men suffer with pornography addictions, and right. it is a way to self medicate. It is. And, oh heck yeah, um, yeah, and <laughs> yeah. and escape pain. You know, yep. I, now I did mine for a uh, moment, for a moment. Yes, it's always for part, a moment. Yep. Self-loathing, shameful yep. component is very real. And in the church, we are notorious at covering up sexual issues and uh, with bipolar disorder right. because our impulse center does not um, uh, work properly. We end up acting out. And doing crazy, crazy stuff. I always say, I don't think I did what I was accused of doing, but I was not in my right mind. I was clinically crazy, you know. Interesting. And yeah. so right. I take full responsibility, and I paid yeah. the price. I mean, I paid the price. Of course. Yeah, of course. You know, um, but um, right. the reality is that these things go on. And, and in the Christian church, we don't realize that some of it is not chosen sin. It's it's a result of the sinful condition yeah. we live in. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, we have to have enough grace and mercy with ourselves. Um, yeah. You know, and uh, yeah, pornography. Um, I work in the jail every week. I see a lot of guys that sex 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 you know and i told yeah. him in my 30s and in my 20s i remember there wasn't a moment that went by that you weren't thinking about sex but yeah. i said today i want a white wedding cake and i'll go to bed with it mm. <laughs> at the age of 64 mm. it's not quite the same you know yeah. the struggle <laughs> has changed a little bit so yeah. but right yeah so you were fortunate yeah. that Ultimately, they discovered that it was bipolar because bipolar type two right. is tricky. It's you know. Yeah. Talk well, to me. It, talk yeah. to me Go about ahead, what would happen when you were hypomanic. Talk to me about what it was like when you felt energized because you yeah. used the word energized or energy because that's how my doctor describes um hypomania and mania it's mm -hmm. surges of energy so t talk yeah. to me about how that would show up your doctor's right i call it hypomania land just like disneyland it's yeah. like living in perpetual well perpetual is not right because it, it always ebbs and flows but but for while it lasts it's it's perpetual the night before christmas or christmas morning yep. you know it's that it is that glorious time at when you're a kid you know it's yep. that glorious time of of it's just glorious and yeah. and it's yeah. it's a drug that called me back and i always felt like there was i i was so much more fortunate than somebody who just had depression because i always knew on the other, other side, side of depression sure yeah, it was, was something that was... That was your that, hope. That was what was seeing a way forward towards... Yeah. yeah. I mean, out of the hell would come a sure. a glorious heaven. Uh, and it was this cyclical thing. I hated the cyclical thing. That was hell on its own. But, but there was always this silver lining of what the hypomania would allow Absolutely. for. Which, as you mentioned, 
I felt smarter than everybody. Oh, yeah. I, I got on airplanes felt... and first class and thought to myself, I'm probably the brightest person on this plane. I mean, oh, yeah. sick, sick, sick thinking. But... No, it's sick. It is. Well, and that, okay, so that, that takes me to one of the things that is important for me, Brad, to, to, to mention. Because when I was in a, uh, this is a slight shift to, to, to where the angle that I wanted to take this, but this idea that, uh, when I was in the middle of a med change, I, I thought there was a grass was there was a grass was greener moment in my sure. med journey that I thought, oh, I'm going to try this this new thing and maybe it'll allow me to get closer to hypomania land again uh, without mm-hmm. losing some of the balance that I've learned how to mm-hmm. incorporate into my life. And, and I've got this management thing. Well, I did that and the grass wasn't greener. In fact, the, the side effects um, were were so bad that I finally I finally learned uh, about how a sick mind can lead to sick thoughts oh, sure. that can lead to sick actions. Yeah. You know, I and I, you're I, talking about suicidal ideation, right? Absolutely. You're you're absolutely. talking about wanting to be out of the pain, and yeah, yep, and that's a very real thing, and. People who can't understand it, I always tell them, thank God that you cannot understand it. Because those of us who have been at those points in our lives, all we can tell you is you don't understand the pain. There's literally pain with deep depression. Right, and the thought of... of uh, the, it's not rational. I mean, I, the only way I can mm-hmm. s- explain my experience with it was that it, I wasn't in a rational place. I was trying sure, to rationalize. You weren't in I, your right mind. <laughs> I wasn't. And, and the thought of being, uh, it, it was, I used to think that it was the most selfish thing. I grew up in a church that it was, Oh, somebody killed themselves. They are the most selfish person that, sure. I mean, they are in hell yeah, because yeah, they yeah, killed yeah, themselves. Yeah. And I, I never, and, you know, I don't know how God judges, but I do know this. In my experience, uh, I was not in my right mind. I wanted to say it wasn't a selfish thing. I was actually mentally right. thinking I was processing that I was going to be selfless. I yes. was going to help my help family, family sure, by removing myself from their. Well, and what you're describing yeah. is an illness. It's a sick brain. Your, your brain is no more spiritual than your large intestine. And I always say, if I knew you better, I'd start talking about other body parts, wow, that it's no more spiritual. Yes. Your brain is huh. not spiritual. It gets buried. Your mind is what your brain does. Interesting. And if your brain isn't working right, you're not going to be able to think right. And... Um, you yeah. know, we ca- we've always thought everybody gets to choose how they think. They don't. Um, when that mm. brain is not working right now, what we know about the brain, you know. And mm. so, yes, of course, you want it out of the pain. I look at it this way. When someone dies by suicide, with some maybe some rare exceptions, they right. have died from a sick brain. Their brain was sick, just just like right. your heart is or you know right now 
I, I, we could talk forever. I have a feeling, and um, I'm not yeah. sure if. But I want those of you who are listening. We're just being honest. We're two guys. Yep. That's right. Um, That's I right. really think we men need to really speak out. In fact, I'm recording another podcast uh, next with a with a guy that's really ministering to men and talking about mental health issues. And I really think we men need to stand up and have the stories told uh, because mm-hmm. we experience mental health things differently than women do. And it's okay. We're different, you know, but um, there's similarities of course, but um, yeah, I want well, Brad, I, th- th- Brad, there's that aspect of, I mean, what we just experienced this week, uh, uh, most violent crime is yes. done by men, yep. you know, so there's something that's manifest. Something's broken in our society. That's right. Something That's is right. really broken, and um, I think we are in the midst of a horrendous hopelessness crisis in our country, yeah. and that part of that is the mental health stuff, but there's more than just that. But um, I want to exactly thank right. you for being willing to tell your story, and I, I would encourage folks to grab this book, Historic Grace. Or, or, or historic disgrace. I'm going to get it right one of these times. By <laughs> it's Scott, all good. By Scott Box, Heroic Disgrace by Scott Box. We'll put the connections in the show notes for folks. But um, grab a hold of it. Read it. Especially if you're a man, read that. Because I have a feeling, Scott, your heroism and the what you thought of being a man, I, I think that's probably very real for many many guys you know and um thank you for being vulnerable um yeah what what word would you have for anybody that's really going through the pits of hell right now yeah there's been a scripture that has has blessed me in my journey that I, I, I couldn't, I can't even put a price on how, <laughs> how I, it's, it's hard to, to, to explain how powerful Genesis 32, 28 has been, or just that whole concept of, uh, I'll explain, but the, the Jacob wrestling with God. Yep. And so my paraphrase is of Genesis 32, 28 is you chose to grapple with God now no man will overcome you. Yep. And for somebody like me who has st- really, really struggled with the fear of man, anxiety, uh, yes, fear, sure. the chaos that comes with with having the beautiful mind that I have, put it mm-hmm. that way. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> uh, I, I have really leaned hard on that verse going, I have wrestled. This has been a wrestling match with God in sure. a lot of ways. And and here's what's so cool about that. The word that I would have is simply this, that though Jacob was wounded, because God punches him right in the groin and pops out his hip. And yeah. that 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 hip wound lasted the rest of his life. Absolutely. Uh, and, and so it became though, though it was a wound, though there was pain, though there was, you know, all of that associated with with the the, the pain itself. It was a reminder of a hopeful purpose, mm-hmm. a desperate dependence, and an eternal promise. Mm-hmm. So that is the word. Our pain is our purpose. Mm-hmm. And that is Jacob is 
a great example mm-hmm. of that for men because he was a he was a dude's dude. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep, yep. And you know, um, I'm not sure which theologian said it. It, I want to say it was Tozer, but I, I could be wrong. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. But he said, "Never trust a man who does not walk with a limp." Ooh, because <laughs> the the reality is. It's in our brokenness that we become the grace-filled, merciful people that we should have been prior to that, or could have been prior to that. And, um, yeah. Would you mind praying for Mm. our listeners today? Oh, my word, yes. Yeah, let's pray. God, thank you for the miracle of our pain. Uh, as as twisted as that sounds, um, you've given us the opportunity to experience you through our pain. And in our case, you know, often it is through our mental pain. But God, I pray that you would help us all address our health because you you're the one that mm-hmm. that makes healthy what you don't choose mm-hmm. to heal. You you make healthy what you don't heal. And and God, I pray that that you would help us find the end of ourselves and meet you in that place of desperation so that as mm-hmm. Brad said, we can be men who are trustworthy because of our limp. Mm-hmm. God, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Amen. 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 Well, thank you so much, Scott, for being with us today. I honestly believe this probably won't be the last podcast we do together. <laughs> it won't be the only one. I believe that we'll probably Thanks, do more. And um, I think that God has some incredible doors that he'll open up to you to share your story, be- not, you. not to bring you glory, but that out of your brokenness, he gets the glory. And Thanks, um, yeah, when I was at my worst, God loved me just the same yeah so um you know thank you again from the bottom of my heart it's fun to talk to other guys that have been through so much of the same things and then on top of it you've been in ministry so yeah we have a lot of yeah thank Thank you. you thank you well my friends that's another edition of fresh hope for mental health i hope and pray that it's been helpful to you, pass it on to somebody that you know that might benefit from listening to it. And uh, we love to hear from you. So um, send us emails, uh, pastorbrad at freshhope.us, or you can just email info at freshhope.us. Maybe you got ideas, questions, somebody you think would be good, or maybe maybe you think I should talk to you, and I'd be okay with that. Um, we're on all the social media pages and all of that kind of stuff and YouTube, et cetera, our books and our fresh hope groups that are across the nation and in other countries. And, uh, would you mind doing me a favor? It helps people find this podcast on iTunes. If you would leave a review, just an honest review. And, um, that would really help if you are feeling hopeless If you are feeling like what we talked about today, just wanting out of the pain, my friend, I want to tell you, both of us men today are evidence of hope. We are evidence of the fact that God can take you through this. He will take you. It's it's sure and certain, but you don't need to do it alone. 
let us know. Contact us. Get in touch with some of our online support groups. And if you have a plan, then you need to call the suicide prevention hotline or you need to let your therapist know or someone tell someone. It is not going to benefit anybody by you not taking the next steps. So just take a simple step today. Um, I always say my life is evidence that there is hope. I am living proof that God can take you at your most broken and glue you back together in a better way, uh, much more his way. Well, my friend, until the next time, may the Lord fill you with hope, new and daily. I'm Brad Hafes, and this has been another edition of Fresh Hope for Mental Health. You've been listening to Fresh Hope for Mental Health. If you have an opportunity, please review, share, and subscribe to the Fresh Hope for Mental Health podcast on iTunes or on the service that you use. We encourage you to share our podcast on social media with your friends and family. Previous podcasts of Fresh Hope for Mental Health can be found at freshhopeformentalhealth.com, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, and iTunes. Fresh Hope is one of the leading networks of faith-based peer support groups internationally. For more information about Fresh Hope, go to freshhope.us.